Welcome to the Noble Eight Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today two quite different topics. I'd like to send out two thanks, one to the Gamecaster Podcast, a belated shout-out from them, I think, and yeah, it was it was very nice to uh, have a group of folk in, I guess, the east coast of the US, some associated with the former MTV hit Jackass, all uh, sending praises and thanks, so it was nice to hear from them. And also, the Mind of Men Podcast sent me a t-shirt, which was very nice. Very well received. Thank you very much for that, Jim and Mike. Continued devoted listener to their podcast. Some interesting podcasts recently on internet security, and I'm actually using their backup option currently. I'm using their MyBook solution for backing up. The two topics of discussion. The first relates to atomizing the simulation. This is something that I've actually been doing for the past couple of weeks. I gave some indication that this would probably impact my podcasting time in the last mail out. Funnily enough, it has. So for the past two weeks, I have been ironically moving the two heavy lifting threads into a single threaded model in order to then atomize it. So it's going back from two to one to many. My sense with regards to that is because I'm using a kind of atomized event model, it's probably a lot simpler just to concentrate with a single thread initially and graphically draw the various components, work out which is going before, which is going after. It's great working on an oblate simulation code again. It's been probably, I don't know, I've touched it recently. I removed the randomization for the core of the simulation and moved it to individual beings recently, which was part of the early stages of the atomization. However, ApeScript is going to be the interesting component. ApeScript now needs to be completely atomizable. Two thoughts here. First is just to remove ApeScript initially and then reintroduce it once the atomization is done. And the second is that this could actually be a really good part of the process in terms of getting ApeScript working in a far less centralized form. And we'll see how that goes. My feeling is currently that I will probably remove ApeScript initially just to make the transition a bit easier with the view that ApeScript should then slot back in where the current being cycled code is, which is run per time cycle for each of the individual beings. Well, obviously that's what ApeScript replaces directly, so it'll just be a matter of substituting the ApeScript code back in there if I choose to remove. The second thing I wanted to talk about is the book project. And this has become particularly topical because I've been asked to be a part of the Matrix cast and I've had some kind of thinking with regards to the issues that will be raised in the Matrix cast. Obviously, I've given some narration with regards to the recent James Murata Bostrom correspondence and I owe James Murata a document currently on simulated consciousness and atomized simulation, which I've promised to get to him once I've completed the initial phase of atomizing the Novolate simulation. What I feel is a reasonable first stage, let's just put it like that. So in parallel to this obviously I've been thinking about the book project which is really I guess it's now what four months since I started sending out the initial chapters and overviews to various agents and some background to this, I like to go into everyday bookstores and look at what they have in the science and philosophy sections. This is a hobby of mine that I started even prior to developing Noble Ape. I started when I was about 13 or 14. Primarily just to buy the books in those sections, the books of interest to me. This was in large part the generation of Noble Ape. In Australia, I would go into the local academic remainders stores. 
I lived in a university town in Australia. So it was easy to get discounted academic and near-academic books with regards to biology, zoology, even artificial life-related texts because they existed back then. So this whole idea of what exists on the popular science shelves in a very unscientific, possibly three or four store surveying is really the backbone to my own views with regards to popular science. What is being put in these shelves, what should be put in these shelves, and increasingly what can one do to actually improve that by approaching agents and writing first chapters and things like this. So I had a bit of an epiphany during the week that what I should do is probably write a first chapter and an outline for a divergent set of books and do it over a decade. To continue to resubmit these outlines and first chapters to a wide variety of agents on different topics. Now, within artificial life itself, I have a number of interests which kind of van into artificial life. Obviously, the first book related to a beginner's guide to artificial life without formulae and just discussing the kind of thought experiments that went into developing artificial life. So maybe that is not particularly receptive to a contemporary agent audience. The second thing that interests me is the idea of theoretical biology. And to a certain extent, that extends into zoological anthropology and all these kind of interesting things. I'm very interested in animal communication, whether we can simulate animal communication and what feedback we can get in the real world based on that. Because obviously animals communicate in a wide variety of ways. The question is really, do we know a lot about that? And can theoretical biology play a part in that? I think certainly artificial life would be very receptive to that. I have a broader project, which is in part the discussion with James Verrata, which is the idea of the philosophy of simulation. Now, Pedro picked me up on the recent podcast 93 with regards to the fact that Turing and von Neumann had actually created a relatively robust initial philosophy of simulation or simulation theory. And my point back to Pedro was that not a lot of that has really been developed with regards to contemporary computing or even personal computing, that there is a lot of time and a lot of new technology and a lot of new development which dramatically affects theories based on those things. I also raised my own concerns with the Turing test. I've had this concern for a number of years, particularly if you talk to telemarketers and their managers, or if you're talking to a bank over a telephone and you bring the manager on the line. Oftentimes it's hard to really distinguish if either the original person helping you or the manager is human because they behave in a robotic fashion. So I think the Turing test seems to be too idealistic in some regard. So there are all these kind of things that come together and my feeling is that this is an ideal time for artificial life developers to congregate and start generating a strong or at least start giving feedback to philosophers to generate a stronger philosophy of simulation for want of a better term. Ironically in I think 93-94 Margaret Bowden produced the philosophy of artificial life which was she was the editor it was a surveying of artificial life related papers including Rodney Brooks at MIT. I think he's still at MIT even though he's with iRobot. So an interesting book and something which would be really interesting in a contemporary setting as well but it also through a kind of scattershot approach started to approximate that there may actually be a philosophy underlying this whole artificial life thing and I think the broader philosophy of simulation is something that fascinates me so I've talked about theoretical biology with regards to animal communication, we've talked about the philosophy of simulation. My suspicion is that I'll write on the philosophy of simulation for the next book, which I will be working on over Thanksgiving here in the US, as well as doing the atomization of the simulation, kind of co-development in some regard, because I'll obviously get ideas from writing the software and then that will feed back into the book. But I'd like to have another chapter and proposal to send out. Let's talk a little bit about the underlying reasons why one would want to seek 
popular publication versus, say, academic publication or self-publication? Well, I self-published the original manuals, and it was very successful in terms of getting gifts to people. However, it didn't really spread a broader message, and I think this is the difficulty both with self-publication and also scientific publication, that you're not actually going to reach the kids in libraries or people walking past a shelf in a bookstore or things like that. I think irrespective of the beauty of the internet and the ability for folks that are obsessive about various things to congregate on the internet, I think the thing that interests me with regards to producing a book is it's ultimately the way that I got interested in artificial life, a wide variety of books, but there's still books out there and there just aren't anything like that currently. So that's my interest. And I think the only way to do this is through popular publication. I haven't had the opportunity to talk to Bruce Damer recently about his Avatars book. That could be another possible avenue. However, Bruce is currently just completely absorbed in what he's doing with digital space. So I don't want to disturb the man too much from that. But my view is the only way to get this message out to a broader audience is through popular publication. Or alternatively, one can explore the other popular media in terms of things like assisting with the writing of a science fiction book or assisting with a film script or artificial life music or in some way getting this into popular consciousness through other means. I'm open to suggestions Tom at Noblelight.com. On a personal level, books are the way to go and I think rather than just saying eh, agents aren't interested in artificial life I mean the feedback that I got from the agents that corresponded with me was that they just didn't know the right people in publishing to make the project a success. So the way to approach this rather than just feeling defeated is to actually produce work on a regular basis that one submits with the view that either after a decade one will have written 10 first chapters and nothing more or after a decade through the kind of progress that we've seen even in the past two three years with things like Biota and Gratham the, the popular consciousness will have changed and then you get a domino effect if you have say five or six or ten first chapters and outlines for books then you have the possibility of five or six or ten actual books moreover as time goes on my views and ideas with regard that's the various topics that I'll write on, will get better. So I think it's probably a win-win situation and probably a way to develop some kind of long-term strategy with regards to what has been initially a difficult and somewhat interesting problem with regards to the book. So the book project will become the Decade of Books project and we'll see how that goes. I'll continue to narrate that through these podcasts and thank you very much for the emails and general communications of support and interest with regards to this project. It's going to be very interesting. I'm not not going to release any of the stuff publicly. I'm going to keep it aside from the topic areas as private texts with the view that perhaps potentially in the future these ideas will, as I say, one of them will break through the iron curtain of agents and publishing and then potentially the others will be able to uh, march through in the hole that has been provided by the first successful of these. So my feeling with that is obviously you get a huge amount of information through these podcasts, through corresponding with me, through Graytham, through Biota, through a wide variety of ways of getting free artificial life information so I don't feel particularly concerned that by maintaining a little bit of private text for the time being that I'm really damaging anything to do with artificial life I'll certainly narrate the various issues as I see them through this podcast so you're basically getting the best aspect of this project currently so if you have any questions, any ideas, if you want to talk to me about atomized simulation problems tom at noble8.com I love receiving correspondence the new idea of actually sending me t-shirts stunning, stunning, many thanks to the minded men folk. I was debating putting the game caster shout out into the podcast. Uh, slightly too much cussing. I forwarded on the segment to Pedro and for a little chuckle. I maintain that segment somewhere so if anyone else is interested, Tom at Noble8.com or alternatively, 
you could just listen to the Game Castle podcast. There's a link through on the Ape Reality page, so you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.